Aloha, I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. Welcome to The Body Show. Each week we talk about health and fitness, but none of what we discuss replaces a visit to your own primary care provider. Did you get your flu shot this year? Were you one of those unfortunate people that instead actually got the flu? Well, each and every year, there are thousands of people throughout the United States who wind up needing to take time off from work or, in some cases, get sick enough they even need to be in the hospital because they've gotten a bad case of influenza. Today, we're going to talk with Dr. Sophia Tran of Kaiser Permanente about what influenza really is, why it's not what everybody talks about when they say, oh, I'm home with the flu, and what you can do to prevent getting it. So, Dr. Sophia, thank you for joining me with the Bond Body Show today. Thank you, Kathy. So I'm happy that you're here. Tell me, did you get your flu shot? I'm going to put you on the spot. Did you get it? Of course I did. I know. I figured you would. I got mine. I swear my office staff gives it to me. And I I think depending on how I treat them, they're like, give her the big needle today or maybe we'll use the small one for her. So it's not a big deal. You get the shot. You're protected. And as an advocate, I would imagine you're an infectious disease specialist. You would recommend that everybody who has access to it, who is not allergic, to go get it? Yes, I do recommend it. It is the um, best way for everyone to prevent um, being infected by the virus. Is there a best time of year to get the flu shot? Um, The best time of the year is during the fall. So it would be about now. So even if you didn't get it yet, it's never too late. It's December. You could get it now. It would be totally fine. Yes. Now, is it ever too late to get it? I know I have some folks who might ask for it in February or March. They still do get a benefit of some protection if they get it late, too. They do. They do because the the vaccine covers uh, many strains of influenza. Now, let's talk about that because, you know, it depends on the year, but some years the uh, the flu shot is known to protect and be really close with what we see in the community with what people get infected by. And other years, it's not so great of a match. From what I understand, and please tell me where I'm wrong, the CDC and the World Health Organization, they have to come up with a list and predict the following year's flu. But because of the fact that they have to manufacture the vaccine, they've got to make a decision sometime in January, February, March for the following year. That's correct. So sometimes they're really good at predicting. And as with all sorts of predictions, sometimes it may not be the particular strain that we think is going to be out there that turns out to be the one that causes a problem. That is correct. So how do we figure out the strains? Do we just look and see what caused problems the year before The flu shot each year is a little bit different every time. Mm -hmm. So when we think about predicting what strains might come around, do we use the previous year's demographic data and also the infectious disease data to come up with a guesstimate about what we think might be the next year's viral causes of influenza? Yes. These organizations, they have a large data bank, and um, they collect information around the world year-round to predict the types of strains that might be circulating for the coming year. So they start making the flu shot. And we often hear about things like a couple of years ago, H1N1, or sometimes people hear about like an H2. What do the H's and the N's stand for? Um, The H stands for hemagglutinin, and the N stands for neuraminidase. And um, these viruses have particles on their surfaces, sugars and proteins, and it's just the different configurations that they have. 
and scientists use these the H's and the N's to um, identify the types of the different viruses. And then sometimes they put a geographic place after that. Yes. Might be where it particularly was found. Yes, yes. So we know that influenza is a virus. Can you get the flu from the flu shot? Uh, no, that is not true. The flu vaccine is not a live virus vaccine. So people do not get the flu from the shot. I think that when people um, feel badly after they get the vaccine, um, it's their body um, mounting an immune response to the vaccine, which is what it should be doing. So that's the body aches and maybe the slight fever. And if you have a reaction to the shot, if it's those sorts of things like, hey, I don't feel well, but then the next day I'm fine, that actually means your body's doing what it should be doing in response to the shot. Exactly. It didn't actually cause you to get the flu. Exactly. Your body is making antibodies to parts of the virus that was in the vaccine. I always tell people, well, you might have some body aches after this, but it's a lot better than if you actually got the infection. That's true. Yes. So when people get the true infection, the symptoms can be quite severe, even leading to death. And that's what we want to prevent, because it is usually when we think about influenza leading to death, it tends to be in vulnerable populations. So we're talking the elderly, we're talking those with respiratory infections, people who might have a history of asthma or COPD or other lung conditions that could cause them to have problems, or it's the really young kids who may not be able to mount a big response. A couple of years ago, we had some young, healthy adults that even wound up getting influenza and developing a viral pneumonia and not making it. So it really can be serious. Yes, it can be very serious. And I'd also like to include among your groups of uh, people who are susceptible, um, those who are receiving immune suppressing drugs, for example, and then um, people whose immune systems are compromised by other medical conditions that they have, such as diabetes. You're absolutely right, because there could be people who are on some of the new immunotherapies, chemotherapy, some of the different rheumatologic conditions that people might get, rheumatoid arthritis or lupus. They might be on medicines to suppress their immune system that might suppress their ability to handle infection. People with HIV or another group of patients that need to make sure that they are hopefully protecting themselves from getting the flu because it could be more severe in certain populations. Yes. If you get the flu shot, can you still get an episode of the flu that year? Um, the flu shot is not 100% protective. And again, um, you know, scientists, they try to anticipate the strains that circulate, but sometimes it doesn't work. And so if you've already gotten an episode of influenza, you could still get a different type. So the flu shot would be helpful. And if you did get the flu shot and you still feel as though you get sick, you might have a strain that wasn't in the shot, or maybe, or maybe you might have you a milder have case. A, or maybe you have a different virus, because there are so many uh, viruses out there that can cause very similar symptoms. All right. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here with Dr. Sophia Tran. She's an infectious disease specialist at Kaiser Permanente. And when we come back, we're going to talk about 
After you've gotten the shot, let's talk about what else you can do to prevent getting the infection, what are the signs and symptoms if you have it, and what you can do immediately to help yourself feel better. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Support for The Body Show comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributors Ekahi Ornish Lifestyle Medicine, Ulupono Initiative, and Impact Hub Honolulu Co-working. I am one of those millennials that likes to set it and forget it. I have a thousand and one things to do, so if I can create a way that HPR is supported through my donations without me having to continually check on it or remember to pledge, I think it puts a different value on what I'm doing with my money. Hi, I'm Nicole Reed, and I am a very proud sustaining member of Hawaii Public Radio. Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here in the studio with Dr. Sophia Tran from Kaiser Permanente. She's an infectious disease specialist, and today we're talking about how to not get the flu. So we've talked about the flu shot. If you haven't gotten it, it's a very good idea. can hopefully protect you and your loved ones from getting sick. There are some other things people can do. If you happen to be sick, how effective is it? How important is it that you wash your hands, that you use some of those hand sanitizers, that you try not to touch your face? Are those other ways that if you're around sick people, you can kind of mitigate your exposure? Uh, In addition to washing your hands or using the hand sanitizers and and not um, touching your face, uh, wearing a mask can help. Um, Trying to stay healthy, make sure that you get a lot of rest and um, eat well. Uh, to protect your immune system, um, that's another way. So good, healthy lifestyle things that, you know, make sure you get the basics covered. You're getting enough rest. You're drinking enough water. You're getting sleep because it's holiday season. Lots of people want to go out and go shopping and go to holiday parties. And if you get run down, then you might be more likely to be susceptible to getting sick from some of your coworkers or your classmates or whomever it might be. So wearing a mask, another important thing. So should you wear a mask if you're the person who's sick or if you're just afraid because you're working with a bunch of people who are sick, you could also wear a mask just to protect yourself from them. Yes, you could. And uh, if you are sick, wearing a mask is would be very considerate to others around you. Absolutely. And if you go to your physician or your provider's office and they ask you to wear a mask because you're coughing, please don't be insulted. Because I have people who say, you know, your front desk asked me to wear a mask and I didn't really like that. And I say, you know, but if you were coughing a lot, that was not just to protect you. It was to protect other people. They may not be as strong as you are to fight off this infection. So just keeping that in mind sometimes helps folks. Now, if you get the flu, what are the common symptoms that you might be experiencing? True influenza. Uh, Fever, body aches, uh, feeling miserable. Um, It's kind of like a truck hits you. You know, it's not just a little bit of body aches. It's, oh, I can't get out of bed stuff. Yeah. Headaches, nasal congestion. And what should you do if you get those symptoms? You should call your doctor to see if you need to be tested and uh, get your um, influenza treatment. Because if you get it in time, it can reduce the duration of the symptoms you might have from the flu. And it will also reduce the time that you shed virus 
and are um, potentially infecting people around you. So it helps not just you to feel better, but it also helps for you to not to spread it to other people. Yes. Now there's a time element. You said get get treated early so that you don't have a longer course of duration of the symptoms. If you have the symptoms for five days already, would taking influenza treatment help you then, or has it almost run its course? Uh, yeah, after five days have passed, um, that is a little too long for the medicine to work. There's a window, like 36, 48 hours, yes. where it's optimally going to be effective. Yes. And if you have someone in your household who was diagnosed swab positive, so they did a swab and they know that it's influenza, should the other members of the household consider taking preventative treatment? I think that should be considered and you can discuss it with your provider because your provider will have the details about your own health status, whether you are at increased risk for acquiring the disease or you are at risk for having a more severe course of the infection. Right, because, you know, sometimes the caregivers that get it, because they were doing so much care, a lot of the parents out there who take good care of their kids who have influenza, they wind up getting it. And it could yes. be fairly significant because their level of exposure was very high because yes. it's their child. Absolutely. Now, can you, is there a benefit to taking medicines like Tylenol or ibuprofen or other things to reduce the fevers other than just to feel better? Does it help you in any way? Well, it you know, because of influenza-related symptoms can be severe and debilitating, uh, taking those do help you to feel better. And then you can get in more fluids, hopefully get more food, and give your body the resources it needs yes. to fight the infection. Yes. Now, these days we have Tamiflu. That's a medicine out there. I know there was a new one that was going to be FDA-approved that was like a one-dose wonder kind of medication that might come out. And then there's older medicines, Flumidine, Amantadine. Is there one particular medicine that you think is superior to the rest? Uh, Tamiflu uh, is the one that is recommended and has been tried. Um, the older ones, there is high level of resistance. So we don't recommend using those anymore. And then regarding the new medication, it looks very promising, um, but we do not have enough experiential data with the new medication. So we are still waiting waiting to see if it's going to be superior to Tamiflu, which we have years of data and we know that it works as long as you're within that time frame, yes. that window. What are some of the complications of influenza? So we know that if you get it, you want to t treat yourself if possible. Your family members may want to be protected. But what happens if you don't get treated? What are some of those complications that could happen that we like to avoid? Well, a very common complication is the influenza can uh, lead to bacterial superinfection in the lungs. Um, and then for those with other um, underlying chronic medical conditions like asthma, um, you know, the asthma can get much worse. And then for those with uh, cardiac disease, that can trigger a cardiac event, for example. And then for those with diabetes, it can make their diabetes get out of control. So really, it could wreak havoc in a variety of areas. Yes. Now, you mentioned these bacterial superinfections. So I try and describe it to folks like, you know, your body is so busy fighting off your influenza that something else just sneaks under the radar, and now you've got yourself a bronchitis, and in some cases, a pneumonia, or even a sinus infection, or something that 
might require you to take the antiviral medicine. And then depending on how bad your symptoms are, you might need antibiotics as well. Yes, antibacterial sounds top, uh, on top of the uh, antiviral. And that's an important distinction to make. Antibiotics don't treat influenza. The antibacterials do not. And antivirals or medicines like Tamiflu that are designed to treat influenza, they're not going to treat your bacterial infection. That is correct. So, so there is a value in figuring out which one you have. Absolutely, absolutely. So antibiotics is uh, an umbrella term that we use to denote medicines that treat infections. And then infections are grouped into the different types of organisms, like we have viruses, we have bacteria, we have fungi, for example. See, this is why you're good at infectious disease, because you know the specific details of the different terms, and I just kind of put all antibiotics as antibacterials. But you're right, there's viruses, <clears throat> there's a fungi or, or fungi, or I'm not quite sure how to pronounce them, but don't get those, because those aren't fun. And then there's also bacteria. Now, if somebody came in to see you, what would be the classic presentation of a bacterial infection versus a viral infection? How would you know the difference? Um, well, the symptoms are non-specific, so depending on the symptoms alone um, is not enough. We take into consideration the patient's demographics. We take into consideration the time of the year. Uh, we take into consideration what's going on in the community. And, um, you know, the patient-specific background, those are the things we take into consideration before we proceed to the next diagnostic uh, steps that we take to distinguish uh, what types of infections people have. Because it'll change the treatment. Yes. All right. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here in the studio with Dr. Sophia Tran from Kaiser Permanente. She's an infectious disease specialist. And when we come back, we're going to talk some more about great tips to stay healthy during the holiday season and what happens when you go to everybody's house and it seems like Everybody's sick and you just don't have time for that. We'll be right back after this quick break. Stay with us. Support for The Body Show comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributors Wealth Jar and Locations. Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here in the studio with Dr. Sophia Tran from Kaiser Permanente. She's an infectious disease specialist, and today we're talking about influenza. Don't get it. Get the flu shot if you can. If you haven't, it is available this year. There is not a shortage, and there's a lot of places you can get that. You can get it at your primary care doctor's office. You can get it at a specialty office. You can get it at the pharmacies these days. A lot of workplaces offer flu shots. So if you haven't taken advantage of that, seriously consider it because it can protect you from a bad case of the flu. We also talked about what are the symptoms of the flu and how they can sometimes lead to other complications. In some cases, they can lead to bacterial infections. You could get a bronchitis or pneumonia. If you had bad asthma, it can make it really hard to breathe. If you have a heart condition, it could cause you to have an event with your heart, whether it be strain on your heart or even just the difficulty of recovering from a major illness. So let's talk about some holiday tips. Lots of people want to go to parties. Everybody's going shopping. I don't even want to consider trying to park at the mall. I'm just not going to do it because it's not going to go well for me. 
and I'm not the nicest driver. I've got to work on that. So, you know, how can I make sure? And I see patients all day long. I see sick people for a living. You do as well. So how do I make sure I don't get sick? What can I do other than obsessively sanitize my hands? What else can I do so I don't get sick? Lots of people work in different environments, healthcare or not. How can we not get it? I don't want your germs. How can I? How can I not get your germs? Okay, so we already advocate for getting the flu shot and uh, I got wash, my shot. Yeah, washing hands. I'm uh, also a big believer in being happy. So, um, so don't try and park because I'm just going to be angry. <laughs> I think that everyone okay. should partake in the merrymaking, but just uh, be sure to keep the basics in mind. You need to sleep well. And when you um, enjoy the parties with everybody, keep in mind moderation should I'm be the trouble. motto of the day. Okay. Moderation. <laughs> so everything in moderation, for example, the alcohol. Um, yeah, that's not my problem. The sweets. Maybe that is. <laughs> okay. So don't eat all the sugar. In you moderation. Know, in in moderation. moderation. Okay. You know, especially for those with diabetes. Yeah, uh, don't get that. Yeah, very, very important okay. to... Uh, Take care of your diabetes, and uh, if you uh, drink alcohol to be happy, just make sure you hydrate yourself well. And don't be too happy if you're a drinker. <laughs> you know, too happy could mean you had way too much. Yes. And don't be driving. Yes, absolutely. Now, I'm a big fan of the sanitizer more than the hand wash. Am I bad? The sanitizer's just faster. Um, they work equally well. Okay. I think that you, you just have to make sure that you, um, you use a hand rubbing motion. Right. Because otherwise it drips all over. Yes. And then I've sanitized my clothes, which yes. is nice, yeah. but not the point. So, so make sure that you get the spaces in between your fingers and under your fingernails and well, your fingertips. How do you get it under your fingernails? You're just rubbing a little bit. Yeah. You got to really get in there. Yeah, you just need to make sure that you, you, you get the hand sanitizer there and then you rub. So if you see one of those sanitizers, either at your provi- your doctor's office, your provider's office, or at the mall, you should slip your hands under that and get one of those little yes. nice little squirts of that. Yes. Yeah, I'm always a little wary when you have to press to get the hand sanitizer because you're pressing something dirty to get a sanitizer and then you're cleaning afterwards. I guess it's okay, but I like the automatic ones. Yeah. But unfortunately, they don't always work or, you know, the solution inside runs out. Very true. Yeah. So is it good to keep your own little antibacterial wipes? That's a great idea. I used to make fun of people on planes who did that, thinking they're just so obsessive. And then I realized I always get sick on planes. So now when I see those people do it, I'm like, do you got an extra? Can I have one of those? Because they did a study that looked at the amount and different types of bacteria on different pieces of airline equipment, like your tray or the armrest. And I don't even want to mention where all that bacteria comes from, but it's E. coli people. And if you don't know where that's coming from, Look it up. It's not a good thing to get. It's E. coli everywhere. The other thing that I'm always curious about is they've done studies and they found that our cell phones are disgusting. Yes. I can only imagine. Because we take them everywhere. We do. And some people like to do a little bit of potty texting. I mean, literally, they're texting things in the bathroom. Don't be doing that. Should you sanitize your phone? Um. Well... I think that... Um, well, I'm not touching it until you how, sanitize your phone. I, I, I'm not going to touch your phone. I would suggest that... Uh, well, I'm it's, not going to touch my phone. I think it's good for everybody to okay. minimize screen time. 
That is true. That's very true. You know what else we need to sanitize more? Stethoscopes. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. I agree. I mean, I try and sanitize mine in between patients. Yeah. Just a little alcohol swab. Yeah. We have disposable stethoscopes at our hospital, too. Disposable stethoscopes? Yeah. How often do you use that? Um, for I, one patient? I use them especially for the ones who are sicker and with... Um, like in the hospital? Yeah, weekend a, immune systems, yeah. Wow. Mine isn't disposable, but I do clean it quite a bit. Yeah. And if you're a patient and you see your doctor with a dirty stethoscope, you should feel free to say, you might want to clean that. I mean, it's not like you're really going to get transmitted a bunch of influenza virus on a stethoscope. But one of the key features that I think people have to consider is, particularly those of us in healthcare. I may not like getting an injection, but I've got to get over that because if I get sick with influenza and I show up at work and I see all of my patients for a couple of days when I'm sick, I could give it to them. People don't come to see their doctor to get worse. Yes. And they don't want to come and get sick from me. So it's one of those things where we really have to take an extra level of responsibility to protect not just ourselves not just our families, but for anybody who's in a service profession, protect those other people that you're taking care of in any way, shape, or form. Yes. I also think that um, healthcare uh, is a team effort. So the more patients participate in healthcare, um, the better uh, the whole system will be. Yeah. I've had patients say to me, I want your sanitizer. And I've literally had... Some patients take the sanitizer bottle in their purse with them. It's always a little disconcerting when you realize that, like, your sanitizer's departed. But you know it's for a good cause, so you kind of have to get over that. Don't steal the sanitizer from anyone's office, but maybe use it for that one time. And I've had people who will do that, or they'll... They'll want to use the sanitizer in the hall as they check out to make sure that they're protecting themselves as well. So we know that taking good care of yourself, being careful with getting enough fluids, making sure that you don't get overly stressed, moderating yourself at parties, or if you can't moderate yourself at parties, don't go to parties so that you can keep yourself healthy. But the flu season doesn't just end when the holidays end. It continues. Yes, it continues into the spring. So what's the general time after which we generally don't see the flu? I mean, I'll see cases even through April or May. Do you tend not to see influenza after then? Um, our general cutoff is the end of March. And that's usually when influenza A rates fall. But for influenza B, uh, the rates are pretty steady throughout the year. So we can still get influenza cases. After the spring. Now, influenza A is the one that tends to cause more symptoms. Influenza B, from what I'm seeing in patients, is a little milder. In general, in general. But if you've gotten A, you could still get B. Absolutely. So you still want to get a flu shot. Yes. And if you've gotten B, you could still wind up getting A. So just saying, I've already had my shot or I've already had my illness is not going to protect you. That's correct. I hope my sound engineer hears that because I think he had A and was thinking, I don't need the shot. Yes, David, you need the shot. So last minute tips on what people can do. If you have influenza, you, you mentioned notify your doctor. Does everybody need to get swabbed or are sometimes the symptoms so characteristic that it's okay if you just treat it? Yeah, you're right. Not everybody needs to get swabbed. 
So if there's a clear case of exposure and the symptoms are classic within the correct time frame, then, you know, a swab is really not necessary. And it's almost easier if you treat somebody at home. Yes. I mean, I'll have people say, my child was diagnosed with influenza. Should I come in and see you? And I'm like, no, you keep those germs with yourself. We'll call in a prescription. Because that way, if we know there's a clear exposure, we know that that's something that they could take care of without even having to come to the office. Yes, it saves the patient a lot of time and effort, and it also minimizes potential exposure. All right. I want to thank you very much for sharing your expertise with us today on The Body Show. I've been talking with Dr. Sophia Tran of Kaiser Permanente. She's an infectious disease specialist. If you'd like to hear the show again, you can click on our podcast, hawaiipublicradio.org. Our engineer who's going to get his flu shot is David Chong. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. We'll see you next week when we talk more about how to stay healthy and well during every season of the year right here on The Body Show. See you then. 